What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 34, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Touchstone. And you can tell your friends that they can find us, because, you know, you've already found us. But they can find us on Google Play Podcasts, on an Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify Podcasts. And it is your responsibility to go to those services and do all the blinky-blink, awesome-awesome, our algorithm happy things that make other folks find us, because uh, that's how it, that's, that's why. Uh, that's, that's, that's. There's there's an obligation there, and you know we're trying anyway, to take over the world, mm, and we need your help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can we can only do that if you go and hit that five star rating <laughs> or hit that little heart. <laughs> yep. And and tell your friends about it because if you don't help us, we're never going to reach our goal of taking over the world. It's we. It's a slow and it's a slow start right now. You know, like it's uh, we're gonna it's gonna be one of those sleeper moments where all of a sudden. We're taking over the world, and people are like, "What? I didn't see that coming." I know, like, ha ha! Yeah. Nobody did except for these people. Uh, and, yeah, you know, so uh, Zach, you're the first group of gatewalking minions. So yeah, that's right. You will get high places in our overworld <laughs> government, <laughs> in our empire of the future. You will be the favored amongst. <laughs> so Zach, if people want to apply for positions. <laughs> How would they do that? Well, if you want to apply for a position in our uh, overworld empire here, uh, just email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. It's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail. gmail. I I got you off track. We're going to change that so that it is Dominion Mail. Ah! (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to do that later. Um, <laughs> no, not, not now. Not now. Don't not do that now. now. <laughs> Dominion mail. Um, uh, but okay, I'm just thinking like or, Dominion mail at gmail.com. There you go. Dominion uh, mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're still using Gmail in our Dominion. Yes, that's right. Well, you know, <laughs> Google. Google will be our overlords. You can't can't overthrow the world without Google. I mean, it's it's just unrealistic. That's true. All right. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking and let us know there what positions Mm -hmm. you'd like to hold. (laughs) Or go to Facebook and start a Facebook thread in our Walking Through the Stargate Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we can start having people bidding uh, for (laughs) their positions. Bidding. You know, uh, oh yeah, boy! Absolutely, <laughs> sure. Why not? So, so join us in these various social media outlets, and uh, let's have some fun together yeah. as we try to take over the world. So, am I yeah. brain and you pinky, or are you brain and I'm pinky? Uh, it kind of doesn't matter because the actual reality of this plan is so remote that we can just arbitrarily pick. We could, we can, we can alternate. We'll ah, switch. Okay. from time. We'll to time. switch. Every, every once in a while, we won't tell anybody. We'll just switch. No, we'll have to figure it it'll out. be arbitrary. We'll do it off of a uh, random number generator yep. because they're not really random. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you can actually predict the random gener- number generator because <laughs> it's not actually random. <laughs> oh, Hi, Zach. We're total nerds. We're feeling <laughs> extra nerdy today. Yeah, it's been one of those days. Mm. Uh, so, Brent, uh, not too long ago, I got a direct message on our Facebook page asking... Mm-hmm. Uh, if we were still looking for jingles and other uh, little bits and stuff from, from listeners and whatnot, because mm-hmm. uh, we hadn't actually mentioned anything like that. And I told him, and I will tell you now, listeners, yes, absolutely. Send sure. us your stuff. I guarantee you, if you send it to us, we will play it at least once. Wow. That that was a generous guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, (laughs) I'm going to take Zach's statement and amend it just a tiny touch, presuming that it fits with our general understanding of what is acceptable to put on a podcast, which is very wide and very variegated. You got a good chance of it. Okay. We'll play it. All right. Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. Uh, Be creative. Yeah, uh, we are trying to be family friendly as well. Well, uh, I, well, I guess that would be the challenge if somebody gave me something that was clearly not family friendly, and then I had to be like bleeping out every. <laughs> <laughs> 
Here you go, Brent. You said you'd play this. Go for oh. it, big guy. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I will absolutely admit that if somebody did do something like that, where they handed us, handed off an audio file that I had to be like heavily redacting, I personally would be just get just laughing hysterically trying to get this thing clean for general consumption uh, so you know actually now that we say it go for it let's see what we got let's let's see yep let's see what happens all right so brent we're talking about the touchstone here yeah we are uh this is an episode directed by brad turner we saw him most recently with the tokra uh, he. This is his last directing credit of the season. We'll see mm-hmm. him again a couple times, once in season three and a couple times in season nine. So mm, okay. um, he'll be around for a bit. Uh, if you want to know more about Brad Turner, you can listen to the Tokra or any of the other podcasts that feature him as the director, uh, and you'll get more information about our good friend Brad. Uh, the teleplay for Touchstone is written by Sam Egan, and this is Sam's only SG-1 credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got quite a number of credits. He's best known for his five seasons of work on uh, The Outer Limits, which was on Showtime. Uh, he was uh, the showrunner and executive producer on that series uh, for at least a period of time when it was on Showtime and Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first writing credit according to IMDb, was in 1979. Uh, He wrote Mm -hmm. for a couple of episodes for the Incredible Hulk TV show. Oh, cool. Uh, Captive Knight and My Favorite Magician. But no no Kung Fu or Kung Fu the Legend? I I, I looked heartily for Kung Fu Legends, (laughs) and uh, I did not see any. So, sadly, there's no Kung Fu connection. Ah, Um, I see. So, uh, guest Alas. actors in yeah, I'm sorry, Brent. I, I'll do what I I do the best I can. You do the best you can. That's right. But but if they haven't done it, then I I can't lie. I mean, I can lie. I just choose. You can. To you sure you could, but you know, yeah, we're not gonna do it. All right. So we've got several guest actors in this uh, show. We've got Tom McBeath reprising Harold Mayborn, uh, a character I love to hate. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You can go to other episodes or to IMDb to find more about him. We've got Matthew Walker. He plays mm-hmm. Rowan. This is the uh, uh, the leader of the Madrosians. Mm-hmm. He's been in tons of stuff. Uh, we will see him again in SG-1 uh, as a different character, but mm-hmm. we will have to wait until season nine to do that. So, yeah, quite a ways. Quite so, we a have to wait a ways. Uh, and apparently he's also in an episode of Stargate Atlantis. So we'll oh, see him cool. again there, assuming we uh-huh. get that far. We probably will. Uh, probably. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Tiffany Lindell Knight plays Lamour. That's uh, mm-hmm. the niece of mm-hmm. uh, Rowan. Uh, she is probably best known for playing the hybrid in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. That's. I, I, I was. I, every time she was on screen, I'm like, I know I've seen you before. I yep. can't remember where, but I know I've seen um, it before. Although, you know, to be fair, the hybrid in Battlestar Galactica is bald and, and swinging a, yep. uh, a pile but, of goo. But still that um, it was the features of her face, right? Yeah. Like it was yeah. it was like just seeing her like without being bald in a pile of goo. It was like, oh, who are you? I, I, I yeah. know I've seen you from something. but um, And she will also be on another episode of SG-1 as a different character in a few seasons. Ah, cool. Yeah, um, that seems to be the uh, modus operandi for these guest actors. They all will go back and be, we'll see them again in the future episodes. Uh-huh. Um, Jerry Wasserman plays Whitlow. He's also been in tons of things over his career. We'll see him again on SG-1, but not as the same character. Uh-huh. Uh, I did notice as I was going through his credits, he is in a couple of episodes of Airwolf 2. Uh, and if you remember, uh, yeah. that was Brad Turner's first directing gig. Now, apparently they were in different episodes. So the, the episodes that Brad Turner directed were not the ones that Whitlow uh, Wasserman was in. Sure. But still, they have that still. connection there. I'm like, yep. hey, there you go. We're building bridges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the weird artifacts that's happening is as we go through this stuff is is just kind of seeing the interconnectedness of the 
uh, you know, television production. Oh yeah. You know, it, it's, it's fun. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Well, you know, as, as if you watched the shows that came out of Vancouver around this time and probably yeah. even today, I don't know for sure, but, uh, I tell you, it is a real incestuous mess. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, there, there are actors from every show who appear on every other show that films in Vancouver. Hey, and you're like, Oh, I eat. know that one from that one. I mean, it's right. all over the place. Um, and so we're, we're seeing that. Uh, finally, we have Eric Brecker. He plays Major Reynolds. Uh, this is the first time we'll see Major Reynolds, but we will see him many more times over the course of SG-1. So, who, uh, who was Major Reynolds? He was uh, the guy who um, they first talked to, or nearly first talked to, when they got to Area 51. Oh, yeah, 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 right? yeah. Right, yeah. he, he was the one that... He was that the tour like, guy. Oh, there are no... Yeah, the tour guy, the tour guy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gotcha. So. I do I do have one other person to mention, one other person in the production of the show to mention. Okay. Director of photography, Peter Woost. At least that's how I think you pronounce his name. Sure. Took a quick glance. Peter has been the director of photography for a, a bajillion episodes so far on SG-1. Uh, like all of them? Darn but close. this one was one where there was a couple of moments relatively early in the scene, and I'll talk about them a little bit, where it was like, wow dude you were making some bad choices with your camera right now and uh yeah it stood out like a sore thumb and i was like i bet you this is a newbie and then i'm looking it up and like nope not a newbie at all (laughs) quite a veteran um you know so as the the seasons progress the dvds have commentary some of them uh, they're just kind of sprinkled out throughout. And then as you get later on in the series, they basically put a commentary track on all of the episodes. Yeah. And uh, on quite a number of those, if I recall correctly, Peter Woost uh, will appear. Uh, oh, as, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think. Uh, that it, it strikes me as true. Um, it's been a long time since I've listened to them with the commentaries on, but yes, I am that kind of nerd. So uh, <laughs> I have actually watched all of the episodes uh, many times and the ones with the commentaries several times as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, this is great. So is uh, great. Let's move on. Sure. <laughs> the original air date for Touchstone is October 30th, 1998, the day before Halloween. Uh, Number yeah. one on the charts was The First Night by Monica. Yeah. yeah. And can night. you believe it, Brent, that Cher was number one in the UK? With Believe. Can I believe that Cher was number one in the UK? With Believe. Oh, with Believe. Oh, with Believe. Oh, can do you believe? believe? Auto-tune. Do you believe? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Oh. Yeah. So Awesome. Uh, Finally, here so we is. actually have gotten to a song that I can definitely say I know it. Oh yeah, just because this <laughs> thing got big. This yeah. song was huge. Yep, it was still getting airplay months and months and months and months later. I remember. Yep. Uh, huh, so cool. well, it, it's it's still played today occasionally on yeah on yeah stations and whatnot. But man, was it played a lot? Yep. In late so, in ninety eight. Yep. Uh, and and 99 and later okay and later at the box office in for this weekend we had john carpenter's vampires number one okay. pleasantville is number two remember. practical mm-hmm. magic ants and the bride of chucky <laughs> yeah i don't remember um, john carpenter's vampires at all i don't at all either no so uh let's so move that oh, yeah well, you know, just because it was number one does not mean it was a good movie. It just happened. Correct. <laughs> right. You know, uh, what was happening at this time? There's actually a lot that was going on around this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, on October 29, apartheid in South Africa, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission presents its report, which condemns both sides for committing atrocities. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on the 29th, en route uh, to so Adana to Ankara. Ankara? Uh, Ankara, Ankara, yep. Ankara. Uh, the Turkish Airlines flight with crew uh, with a crew of six and thirty three passengers was hijacked by Kurdish militants. Uh, they ordered to the they ordered the pilot to fly to Switzerland. The pilot lands in Ankara, tricking the hijackers uh, that he was landing in Sofia to refuel. 
uh, oh, which actually sounds just fascinating. I wish I knew more about that, and I yeah. don't. But right. Oh, we're uh, totally going to Sophia. Don't. Yeah. No, it's all good. Oh, no, 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 we're going to Switzerland. We're, 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 yep. we're yeah, look, see and, the mountains, uh, Switzerland. Oh. oh, oh. Here we are. Here we are in. Here we are in oh, a no, place so, that you don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. Just go out there. There's the bathrooms right there to the left. Yep. 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 <laughs> that, that that that's pretty impressive. Uh, to to ho- have the wits about you to and and the you know to do that. That's impressive. Yeah. Also on the 29th, uh, Hurricane Mitch, which was the second deadliest Atlantic hurricane in history, made landfall in Honduras. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that specifically. Also on the 29th, Space Shuttle Discovery blasts off uh, with uh, John Glenn, 77-year-old yeah. John Glenn on board, making him the oldest person to go into space. Yeah. I remember. And uh, I, I, remember I remember that, that mission. occurring. Yeah. And I also, in my memory, it was much more recent than 98, which means I'm getting old. You are getting old, Brent, and I'm <laughs> older. Yeah, well, yeah. It doesn't okay. stop it, but you know, I, I keep trying to get younger, and, and it never seems to work. <laughs> it does. <laughs> We're doing something wrong here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, October thirty-one, uh, Iraq disarmament crisis begins. Iraq announces that it would no longer cooperate with the United Nations on their weapons inspections. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this would be basically something following. Uh, well, leading up to what would eventually become the Iraq War, uh, mm-hmm. following what once was uh, Operation Desert Storm mm-hmm. in the early 90s. Uh, on November 1, Steve Young and Jerry Rice hook up for their 80th career touchdown uh, to uh, take the, uh, the record uh, for that. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was held previously by Dan Marino and Mark Clayton. Okay. So uh, football was happening. And finally, a couple of days later, on November 3rd, Shakespeare in Love, which was directed by John Madden, Mm -hmm. uh, not the the football guy. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see Shakespeare in Love directed by John Madden, the football guy. Well, that is the that's the movie I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna yeah. take the you're gonna take the scene and boom, you're gonna knock it down, and then you're gonna go run over there and you're gonna kiss her, and you're gonna kiss her boom. hard, and you're gonna run over there and you're gonna boom, you're gonna make a play. Oh my gosh, that would be funny. Anyway, uh, sorry, yeah. I, I, right. I interrupted. Uh, so Shakespeare in Love, which was directed by John Madden, starring Gwyneth Paltrow and Joseph Fiennes. Uh, premieres in New York on November oh, 3rd, I, and that goes on to become the best picture of 1999. I have, by far, one of the most unpopular opinions when I emphatically state that that movie was nowhere near as good as what people think it was. Not even close. Um, Everybody loved it. Everybody loved it. I remember seeing it. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking it was decent. Mm-hmm. And, and do you and do you remember saying to yourself? Do you remember saying to yourself as you were watching it, "Oh, hey, cool. That's how these. Uh, so yeah, that's this is like a little fun little. This is a fun little story about how all of these famous plays came to be because of these life events, huh? That's fun, right? Because that uh, was the point sure. of the movie. Sure. Yeah. But uh, honestly, I don't even remember it. that much. It was written in ninety whatever. And so, basically, the writers took all of these really good stories that were conjured up inside the head of a genius and put onto the stage and then basically retold them backwards and said, look, we've made a movie. And everyone's like, it's the best movie. No, it was these great stories that have already been told, thought up by a genius from long ago. And all it was was just basically told all over again with slightly different set dressing. And you're all like losing your minds like this was the greatest thing ever. Of course, it was a great thing. It was written. These were these were the plays. These are the story. Mm. (sighs) Wow. I've got opinions. You're not passionate about that at all, are you? Mm. Well, you're kind anyway, of a history uh, buff, a, 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 an American, you know, like you, you know, European history buff. That, that's kind of your mm-hmm. your jam, isn't it? Yes. Uh, so you know, Could my, you tell? 
my my history jam is dates way earlier than that. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'll I'll let you complain about that. Okay, so uh, we do have some trivia uh, facts about this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. During the filming of this episode, Michael Shanks's daughter Tatiana was born. Oh. Um, and so congratulations. Yeah, he was not really paying attention to this uh, the episode because obviously his mind was somewhere. His mind was elsewhere. Else. Yep. Uh, but uh, you know, actually, as I. I didn't know that until I watched it this time. Uh, I didn't realize that. And and honestly, I mean, he's not didn't have a huge part in this this episode, right? But I didn't notice anything in in him that would have suggested that that Shanks was kind of checked out. Yeah, well, that's because uh, that's because Jackson's like modus operandi is that far away, distracted look. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so then, uh, they go into area 51 and they got to see all sorts of research projects. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, most of them are actually from previous episodes of the show. Uh, they have, they see, they talk about Jackson's notes from Heliopolis, Heliopolis, yep. the meaning of life stuff. That's from Torment of Tantalus. You see the two ghoul death gliders that they're building, uh, together into something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was of course from the Serpent Slayer at the very beginning of the season, uh, they they make a mention of a possible cure for Alzheimer's dr- discovered by SG five. That's brand new for this episode, but mm-hmm. that'd be kind of cool. Alzheimer's mm-hmm. really really sucks. So if we could find mm-hmm. a cure for that, that'd be wonderful. Uh, and then you get that little comment about no alien life forms at Area fifty one. Um, and I want to they they actually talk about this. So uh, Brent, I have this new toy. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called the Stargate SG-1 Illustrated Companion mm, for seasons mm-hmm. one and two, and then I also have them for the rest of the seasons sitting over here. I didn't even know these existed, Brent, until uh, just a few weeks ago uh, when I heard about it on uh, Chevron's Locked podcast, which you mentioned a few episodes nice. ago. Uh, Excellent. And I'm like, when they're like, they have that, I'm like, that exists! And I had to go out and find <laughs> them. <laughs> nice. So I went. And now I finally have them. They're in my hands. And so... Um, the military actually plays a significant role in uh, what shows that talk about the military can actually do. Oh, yeah, right? okay. So I mean, that makes so, sense. Yeah, the, the U.S. military can say, no, you can't do that, or yes, you can. And so originally, O'Neill was going to say something like, is this where we keep the little green men? But the Air Force, uh, you know, they have full <laughs> approval of all of our scripts, and they called and said, uh-huh. there are no aliens in Area 51. You can't keep that line in. And Glasner uh, continues, I explained that it was a joke, but they just repeated, there are no aliens in Area 51. So I then asked if I could use their response in the script. We actually ended up going with O'Neill saying, is this where they keep the aliens? And the mm-hmm. officer, that would be Major Reynolds, says... There are no aliens in Area 51. And then O'Neill looks at Teal'c and says, present company excluded. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. I, 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 when I read that, and I'm like, oh, that's just, that's just gold stuff. Uh, yes. Uh, so, uh, also, uh, a little interesting little uh, tidbit about the show at this point in time. Uh, the next couple of episodes are... Back are reversed depending on where you're getting your source material. Uh, huh. So we will go with the fifth race in our next order. Um, okay. And but when I go to my DVD box set, it actually has the episode after that before the fifth race. If I huh. look in my Stargate Companion seasons one and two, it also has them reversed. However, if uh, you're watching this on Amazon Prime. Uh, it has the next episode as the fifth race. If mm-hmm. you go to the Stargate Command app, which I believe you're using, Brent, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next episode is the fifth race. Um, mm-hmm. And I haven't been able to figure out exactly what all is going on there and why there is the switch. Uh, based on the information I have, uh, fifth race aired on earlier, aired a week earlier than uh, than the next episode. But mm-hmm. there you have it. So, Interesting. 
uh, next episode well, will be to me. the fifth race. Uh, and yeah, for those wonder, of you who are watching along with us, this is important. So we don't want you watching the wrong episode. Well, and, you know, like, honestly, I, I, I don't really care to actually dive into it so much as to have too much of a conversation. But there is a piece of me that's like, that's a weird thing to have confusion about. Right. Like, did somebody say, oh, we actually intended these episodes to be in this order and they aired in that order. And so, like, well, they kind of got some traction in some areas, but not others. And. Well, you you get that a lot in shows. There's a lot of a lot of places in the Star Trek franchise where you have two episodes that were filmed, for instance, A B, but then they were right. aired B A. Um, and yeah, those... but but then in the subsequent DVDs, like they they include them B A, like you know they don't ever switch it A B. I'm thinking of Fire uh, Firefly, where they aired it all over the place. Well, yeah, and. And then, you know, the DVDs, every, you know, the DVD about it, everything about it is, no, this is the order. This one, this one, this one, this one, this one. Like, you know, that this is the order in which they should be because this is how the story is. Right. Uh, well, but but even with Star Trek, though, there are elements, moments of that where uh, if you look at the air dates and the production numbers, uh, they're, they're flipped. And on some of the situations oh. in their box sets and whatnot, yeah. uh, they actually have them. And even, I think, at least at some points in time in, in the Star Trek uh, uh, stuff, uh, the, the episodes are, are uh, presented in the boxed order, uh, not in uh, air date, but in production number. Oh, okay. So then it is. All right. All right. Well, then I'm full of it. I'll, I'll take my full of itself and sit down and be like, okay. Uh, but we so, are going to watch the fifth race next. Correct. Which also gives me a bit of an advantage to start thinking about what I'm going to say at the end of this episode about what yeah. the fifth race is about. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just trying to he- he- being here to help you, Brent. Thank in you. Any way I can. I really appreciate that. That's I know. Great. I know. Okay. So there are a couple of goofs in this episode. Um, and, and these are more internal goofs to the story uh, as opposed to like production goofs. But mm-hmm. before they're going to Utah to retrieve the second Stargate, Hammond tells the SG-1 team not to fire under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. However, he doesn't say anything about using Zat Nicotels to stun him. And we even see that Teal'c has a Zat. And right. just imagine that if they had snuck in there with Zat guns and shot them all up with the Zats, then yes. you wouldn't have done any permanent damage. You would have yes. had at least three of those guys captured, and yes. things would have been way better. Y- yes. So, But then we wouldn't have the origins of a story arc that is undoubtedly going to last for more than a season. Okay, fair enough. I'm just saying. <laughs> also, um, you know, actually, it is kind of an ingenious idea when they say, hey, let's overload a, sec- a gate uh, so that uh, uh, it'll jump from the main gate to the secondary gate so you can find them. That's actually right. really ingenious. But there is no reason that they would have to go to Madrona to overload the gate to get it to yeah. jump. You could have gone I, to Abydos. Yeah, anywhere. You could have gone to, you know, the yeah. Land of Light. You could have gone anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you would not have had to go to the planet that is literally tearing itself apart. Uh, <laughs> but then you wouldn't have had that extraordinarily inept dialogue that happened. It's like, they're back, uncle. You said you were going to, we are going to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was a little uh, like a Michael J. Fox moment. But anyway, but anyway. <laughs> oh, Doc, it's terrible. <laughs> On the you night, get back I to go back. Oh, gosh. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, you're right. Uh, uh, my, my wife uh, was saying earlier, uh, as I made mention of that, she says, yeah, but, you know, they need to do that so that they can have the diplomacy of all of that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. Um, but you could just send somebody to say, hey, we're doing this. This is what we're doing, you know, um, in any case. Yeah. So, uh, those are the couple of goofs that, that I noted in this episode. Mm-hmm. So, with that, Brent, at the uh, 29 minute mark. Oh my gosh! <laughs> let's get cracking here. Yeah, let, let's jump into the synopsis. Here we go. 
SG-1 returns to the planet Madrona, where they intended to study, using some of Carter's doohickeys, a device called a (laughs) touchstone, which controls the planet's weather. However, on returning to the planet, SG-1 is accused by the Madronans of stealing the touchstone, who claim that men dressed in Stargate Command uniforms stole the device. Without the touchstone, Madrona's weather is spinning violently out of control. The team quickly reports back to Stargate Command and General Hammond of the accusations. Is there a rogue element within the SGC? Are there agents using the Stargate without Hammond's knowledge? After checking the base computer's mainframe, Captain Samantha Carter does some research and discovers something disturbing. The second gate is being used, but not by Stargate Command. What's more, it is being activated at precise moments to prevent detection by the SGC. Hammond repeatedly attempts to contact the President of the United States without any luck. Someone seems to be controlling the President's schedule to thwart the General. Daniel and Teal'c notice unusual weather on Earth. They surmise it must be the touchstone causing it. It's time to check the location of the second Stargate. And so the team travel to Nevada, to the base known as Area 51. No one is surprised to discover that Colonel Mayborn has been transferred to the secret Nevada base. As she won, then leaves Area 51 to, leaves for Area 51 to confront Mayborn. While there, the team learns that the second gate, supposedly under 24-hour guard, has in fact been replaced with a replica. The second gate is missing. Does Mayborn know where the gate really is? Answer is yes. (laughs) Back at the SGC, Jackson and O'Neill attempt to find the second gate by returning to Madrona to overpower the gate and send the MALP through, the overpowered gate will cause the wormhole to jump from the SGC gate to the nearest option, which is the second gate on Earth, much like what happened when O'Neill and Carter were stranded in Antarctica. With the MALP, Stargate Command finds that the second gate is somewhere in southern Utah. Calling in a favor from Bernie Whitlow, Hammond learns that a C-5 Galaxy cargo aircraft has just been requested to pick something up from a particular airfield in southern Utah. The C-5 is among the only aircraft large enough to move a Stargate. The team is sent to the airfield where they find the second gate. There are four unidentified men guarding the gate, as well as a big metal case, big enough for the touchstone. And, well, okay, there are two metal cases, one with the Stargate in it, and then one metal case for the (laughs) touchstone. Yes. Uh, That's important to know. As Stargate SG... Stargate? As, As... SG-1 approaches. The unidentified men activate the Stargate and jump through. Daniel tries to read the address where they went, but the gate deactivates before he could. Fortunately, however, our heroes were able to protect the metal box with the touchstone in it. And, not surprising, in fact, the touchstone is there. Yep. The MacGuffin has been found! (laughs) We found it! Hooray! Hooray! SG-1 returns the touchstone to Madrona, where the people were facing a deadly winter storm, and thanks to the return return of the device, weather is restored in a quasi-magical way. Is the the green fireflies. Yes. The second Stargate is again moved, this time under the guard of the SGC, where a permanent iris is installed on the gate to ensure it is never again used. And it will be constantly watched by soldiers under Hammond's command. The end. The end. So, Brent. Hmm. Touchstone. Hmm. What'd you think? Hmm. Um. I'm pretty uh underwhelmed. <laughs> the, the the um uh, I, I I know what they're doing. I I see what they're doing here. They're setting up uh, a. Uh, they're setting up a bad guy. They're setting up another bad guy, uh, and it's internal, and and we don't know who they are, and it's still shrouded in mystery, and it's going to take a while to figure this one out. I, I get it, I get it. Uh, b- uh boy. But the 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 fanciful science fiction stuff was kind of underwhelming. A mysterious device that is able to completely control the entire weather of an entire planet 
is absolutely an intriguing little piece of science fiction. Uh, it's just treated as if it were a magical trinket of, of, of superpower. I mean, like it just was kind of like a meh. Okay, there. Yep. Okay, there it is. The scenes with the uh, with the uh, what do I even call like the tribes people? I mean, like the Madronans. Yeah, but boy, they were. Yeah, I will say this. I am honestly, genuinely a little ashamed that it took me almost three quarters of the episode to realize that the leader was either a blind actor or playing a blind person. Like I was like, what's up with his eyes for way too long (laughs) before I'm like, Oh, Oh, he can't see. Okay. Ah, that was, that's on me. Um, but, uh, yeah, just the, it's just, it just was kind of meh. It was kind of meh. The dialogue was kind of meh. Um, the acting was okay, you know. It was just a little, it was a little forced. Oh, and then getting back to the cinematography, okay, right yes. at the beginning, there was a super close shot of Jack and a super close shot of General Hammond talking back and forth. Uh, I can't remember what they were discussing exactly, but you know they were going back and forth about undoubtedly going to Madrona to get the touchstone or something. But the camera operator had such a tight, uh, a tight framing of. Um, Don Davis's face that as he was moving around, the camera kept having to move around with him. And of course, it didn't know exactly where he was going to go, so it wasn't able to anticipate which direction he was going. So it was reacting. Uh, Don would go left, the camera would then pan towards the left where he was going, and you know, go right, right, and go up and down. But it would, they were, it felt like they were kind of trying to create sort of that sort of continual movement thing that we kind of see all the time now in television shows. Right. But it just didn't really work very well because it was the, the, the shot was too close. Hmm. And so that was really distracting. And I was thinking this must be a newbie behind this, behind the, behind the, behind the lens here. And then really shortly thereafter, when they went to area 51, they were choosing intentionally to shoot the scene with the actors in shadow against a backdrop of really, a really brightly lit building. And, you know, I, I understood that's what they were, that's what they were doing. They were intending to do it that way so that the the background was blown out and the actors were, you know, just silhouettes. Right. But the scene kind of lasted a little too long. And so you couldn't do any of the cool stuff that is a you can do with film or television, which is have the emotions that are worn on the face of the actors be a part of the dialogue. Because all it was was just silhouettes. And so it's just chat, 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 chat. And it lasted too long, and then they finally moved along, and it was okay once they did so. But, you know, again, it was a moment of just distraction, of just like, okay, like, why are we still here? I can't see the faces. Like, that's that's interesting. Um, I didn't notice either of those. mm -hmm. Um, And and that could be because um, I've seen this so many times that that I, I lose some of that. Sure. Uh, what I did notice is that when they were in the conference room having one of the uh, uh, exposition sections, uh, they actually had some Steadicam movement that, that just kind of rotated and spun around the, the, the table. Oh. And I actually thought that was kind of cool. I didn't notice that. Now, so now, at the time, having seen those scenes, I was thinking there must be somebody new behind the lens. And now, having done a tad of research realizing no it was it's been the same person this entire time now i'm kind of wondering uh he might have been experimenting a little like he might have been saying all right let's try this where we got a real tight close-up and i'm just going to be following the actor's face around so you know don don't sit still just act normally but i'm but it's gonna we're gonna be right up on your face here right. and then same thing with the blown out background because you know if they're doing steady cam work in the middle there like maybe he's just trying out new things and yeah that could be yeah. Um, that would be really interesting to go back and, and uh, you know, see uh, production notes and whatnot. Um, but if I'm sitting here talking about uh, technical production things and I'm not talking about the story, that's a mark for me that the story wasn't good. Because uh, if I see something and all I can do is be consumed with what the story is telling me and I forget entirely about its production... That's uh, that's my mark of the greatest of stories. Right. Where I, all I'm doing is just I'm in the story. It's part of the reason why I gave Bane such a ridiculously high review is because once 
once there was this weird moment where it passed some kind of cheese threshold for me, I was in. I was in hook, line, and sinker. I was like invested in this goofy story just to see how goofy it would get and it just kept rewarding me and it, so i was hooked i was i was right there i was in it this one i just kept saying to myself you know like oh that's a funny way to frame that shot oh that's a, that's a, that's a strange way to shoot that um you know oh this dialogue's a little woody uh you know there was way too many moments where i was like eh, oh that, that was that was a little strange wait why are they doing it this way uh, whatever you know like right yeah, there's my soapbox yep so you know it's, it's interesting so this is an episode that is titled The Touchstone. Mm-hmm. Touchstone. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I guess it's sort of like the Maltese Falcon, uh, which is called the Maltese Falcon, but uh, not about the, the story Falcon. is not about the Maltese Falcon. Right. Um, and in fact, this story here is not only is it not about the Touchstone, it is not about even the people who ostensibly... Um, Right, have the touchstone. It's not about right. that culture. That that culture is as two dimensional as you can get. Uh, boy, oh boy, is it ever! Um, uh, there's also an interesting problem because uh, based on the architecture as seen in the, la- the last scene, that Stargate yes. ring is clearly important to their society, but they have no idea what it is or what it does. But they weren't or how to use terribly it. shocked apparently uh, when people came through it. Yeah, it, so yes, you know, so that culture, whatever it is, I'm glad they didn't use a an identifiably uh, Earth based culture. Uh, mm-hmm. But on the flip side, it is as two dimensional as you could do. Uh, the actors who played, you know, uh, was it Walker and and Knight there? Uh, they they did the absolute best that they could do with a dearth of stuff to work with uh oh the they 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 didn't and and of course and 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 i'm okay with this to a certain degree because um that's not where that's not where the story is that's not what the story is about the story is in fact about uh developing this this rogue agency the anid within uh the government it's about uh, bringing that to light and uh, yes, and and establishing Harry Mayborn as not simply just a jerk, mm-hmm. but as somebody who is uh, actively uh, villainous. Yeah, uh, and, yes, and and that's what it's about. And so, if if that's what it's about, um, uh, then. For me, I can, I, I can note, and I can recognize and fully agree with the the very very wooden quality and uh, the 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 bad dialogue of of and and the develop bad terrible development of of that native species a uh, native uh, group uh, mm-hmm. because that is not what the story is about. I would love I think, to have that fleshed out and no more. Uh, you know, great stories are able to to have those char- those pieces feel like there is the grand story behind them uh, that that we don't know about, we we'll never get to see, but it feels like it's there. Um, and this doesn't do that. And so, in that regard, I'm like, okay, fine. Um, but also at the same time, that's this isn't the story that's being told. I think I would rather that they didn't even show us uh, the Madronans. I think that it would be possible to tell this story almost exactly as it is, but instead of even bothering to have these scenes with this culture, it's just, you know, uh, there's an identified technology. Like, the whole thing... um, this this idea isn't fully fleshed out. I'm not actually convinced that this would be possible, but there certainly does seem like there was so little information provided in any of the scenes with the Madronans that it would have been possible to tell this exact story with every element in it, including the touchstone, without ever having visited Madrona. 
uh, in the in the episode. And maybe you maybe you say you you know maybe maybe you have characters say that they visited and they have this technology or whatever. La la la. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not actually saying that would have made a better story. I'm I'm using that as saying these scenes didn't provide any meaningful information at all. Yeah, you you probably could have um, talked about the Madronans. Um, now you would have it would have been hard to. You would have had to play it differently um, because at, at the beginning, because they go to the planet assuming to, stu- you know, trying to study it. Um, right. And, and one would assume that they would actually interact with the people. So you'd have to rework that. Um, but it wouldn't be impossible to retell this story in a way that the Madronans become uh, uh, exposition and not actual right. characters. Uh, right. And then if you did that, then you would not have to worry about them being uh, so wooden and two-dimensional because you right. didn't actually develop their backstory. Right. Um, and it, it, I think that a really great thing to look at that demonstrates that woodenness is the acting and dialogue every time the SG-1 team went through the gate. It was they went through it three times, I think, mm-hmm. and that and that procession and the dialogue was almost the same every time. With with of course plot advancing points added in, right? Right. So well, like the Uncle, the, they're here. You know, I mean I get it, he can't see, but whatever. Like, you know, but but they but they all they they're they're all standing on the same marks. They say almost the exact same lines in almost the exact same ways, but for subtle variations based off of context, like it's not, it's currently, there's a thunderstorm about to happen or it's currently a gigantic blizzard, you know, like, right. The only thing that, that, uh, the, the leader says is you're lying. You stole it. Oh, okay. I believe you. Oh yeah. Then there's Uh, that. Uh, yeah, it's bad dialogue. I I won't deny that at all. It's, it's bad dialogue. I, I've thought that for, for years and years as I've watched this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I like this episode overall, uh, because I like the, the, the story that's being told on earth. I like the development and the thickening of the intrigue that's happening on earth within the SGC, within the U S military, within the government, um, and frankly, I like Mayborn. Uh, sure. Uh, he, I, I think that character is just a great character and a great foil for, uh, particularly O'Neill, um, mm-hmm. uh, but also just the SGC in general. Um, and, and, and we get to see him here. Uh, but yeah. 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 No, there's... The- when we get into when we get into the ratings, you know, we'll we'll talk about it, but uh, I I genuinely am happy that there is the story elements which as a as a seasoned viewer of shows, I know what's going to happen here. Like I know what they're doing. Uh but taken in isolation, it's a little like what's going on? Like why? Why? Yeah. What are who are these dudes? Where do they jump to? Why did, couldn't we figure? Like you know, I get it. They're setting it up, but uh, you know, it just. Eh. I think I have seen examples of where you're setting things up in ways that are a bit more satisfying than what this did. And again, I, we've said it a number of times. We'll say it one more time. Uh, this is 1998. This is the very. This is what some of the earliest stages of transition from episodic television into story arc television, like the season story arc television they're getting a pass i understand and also this one was kind of ugh, you know kind of like meh right yeah okay well you know um one of the things i want shift gears here a little bit uh mm-hmm. just, just talk about some of the things that i thought were just kind of fun i i did appreciate um when they did go to the planet and then all of these natives with their spears and knives are like, take him prisoner. And then he pulls out his gun and he points it at him and then he says, uh, O'Neill's like, uh, we came here in peace and we're going and to we're leave in one Leave piece. in one piece. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, that, that, that line there give, is yeah. just a fun one. <laughs> and there was one like earlier in the episode, I think. 
where I was like, uh, you know, they're starting to give, uh, they're starting to give Jack kind of this, uh, not bumbling. That's the wrong word. It's just like, um, folk. Folks, he's not ready. I got to think about this one for a second. But like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, hey, I'm savvy here and I am worldwise and I've got a quip right here and I'm going to use it and I'm going to have to make a subtle adjustment right there to make it continue to work. But you stay where you are, mister. Like, I, I like that. It, this is yeah. fun. Right? Uh, he, he's clearly way smarter than what he wants to appear to be. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he regularly and intentionally will say things that are quippy, uh, snarky, all mm-hmm. of those things uh, with an intention of self-deprecation where he's trying to say, I'm not as smart as, you, as I really am. And, uh-huh. um, and, and I actually I love that little element of that character um, as it develops. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he's, uh, uh, wow, Cat, stop yelling. I don't know if you could hear that, but my cat's over by the door, and she just wants to go outside desperately, and and, and I don't want to take her outside right now. It's a nice day. She's like, quit talking on this silly microphone thing. Yeah. But but, uh, anyway. Yeah, Uh, I'm enjoying that, too. You know, present company, you know. know. Yep. They're, they're, where are the aliens? There are no aliens in Area 51. Yeah. Present company excluded. So. I like that line too. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. And I'm being, I'm being harsh. I'm being harsh because I'm being a nerd right now. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here watching this episode going, um, like, come on, right? Like, you're, you are a beloved series for a reason. And, uh, and I can see that this is going to be interesting. And I believe that I'm going to really be intrigued by this little story plot point that is being introduced here but my gosh what's going on with this thing over here did you really have to be bringing in these madronins for this yeah uh couldn't you have thought about something differently about this so well maybe this is the reason why sam egan only has one stargate sg1 credit (laughs) folks were like hey sam uh great 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 effort uh so we're gonna go in a different direction here there you go (laughs) there you go uh, okay, well, Brent, I think it's probably about that time uh, yeah. where I ask you, Touchstone, out of seven chevrons, Yeah. how many chevrons do you give it? I'm hot and cold on this one, uh, and I'm hot because I am anticipating that some of these story arcs are going to pan out, and so that makes me excited, mm-hmm. and I'm cold because, for previously stated wooden acting, weird decision-making, distracting set decision reasons. So um, it's going to be a middling affair. I'm going to go on the brighter side of the middling affair, though. I'm going to give this one four out of seven chevrons. Four. Okay, I better write mm-hmm. that down. Uh, here I go, and I type four. Four. All right, all right, four. Okay, uh-huh. there it is. There it is. It. There's the four. Uh, and now I have to think about uh, myself and what I think about this episode, and yeah, and I was mm-hmm. kind of kicking that around. I think you're right. It's it's kind of in the middle, and I was trying to decide: uh, is it a three? Uh, is it just a little bit less than half? And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. that, that's too harsh because there's a lot of good stuff that this begins, this sets up, and mm-hmm. uh, without spoiling too much, uh, a lot of this does come back, and we'll see this story advance. So I'm uh, confident, yes, yes, you know, it is. Um, you know the so so there's that now is it is it right down the middle at a 3.5 or is it a and i think that uh you can't skip this episode right uh this is not an episode that you that is entirely forgettable in that way um i think that you are right i'm going to uh echo your your vote and i'm going to give it a 4 as well yeah uh, All i right. think it's just a, just that much above Above the halfway point, and uh, so give it a four. Mm-hmm. And now, Brent, uh-huh. we have mentioned this early on, but we are at the point where I say the next episode is the fifth race. 
Yeah. And I ask my dear friend who has never seen this show and doesn't yeah. know anything about the fifth race to no. tell me what the fifth race is all about. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. The SG-1 team steps through the gate to find themselves on a strange world where there seems to be endless competition. They look left, they look right, and all they see are people at each other's throats. I will be the best, says one. No, I will be the best, says another. The team is confused. What could possibly be causing this level of competition amongst all the inhabitants of this strange planet? They meet with the leader, and the leader looks at them and says, Welcome to the planet... Uh... Yes. Blargensnoff. Blargensnoff. <laughs> Welcome to the planet Blargensnoff. <laughs> it's a magnificent world full of the best and brightest that our species has to offer. And you are the latest uh, competitors. What? The SG-1 team is confused. What could they possibly mean? They are then hurled into the throes of what is a massive game where there is a perpetual and constant competition. And they realize that they are slated for a heat in the fifth race of a particular track event where they're going to be competing against other teams. And they're going to run really fast. And they're going to try to get the middle. And join us <laughs> next time where SG-1 competes in <laughs> the fifth race. What's the name of this planet again, Brent? Blargensnoff? Blargensnoff? Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, hey, um, uh, Zach. Yeah. How how how'd I do? Um. Perfect. <laughs> we don't even perfect. have to watch the episode now. <laughs> you already know everything that's going to happen in that episode. We Good just news. Skip it. Yeah. Let's just go right on to the next one because. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bounce right over the top of it. Don't even worry about it. Blargins now. <laughs> Blargensnoff, the planet Blargensnoff. Okay, so we, we definitely need a meme or something about Blargensnoff, people. <laughs> Please make it a reality. <laughs> I need that in my life. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> With some, like, Caesar overlord, right? You know, I, I, like. I don't really care at this point in time. I just want Blargensnoff. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Awesome. Well, shall we watch the promo and find out what the fifth race is all about? Yes, please. All right. I am hitting go now. All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1, Colonel O'Neill has a strange alien... Whoa! Encounter. Holy... Basically, I can't find anything wrong with you. ...that's taking control of his mind. What the hell is going on with me? New Ani Anquietas. O'Neill is unwillingly oh. speaking an alien language. Apparently, I have lost the philatus to speak properly. <laughs> you have no idea what it is or why you built it. Colonel, I'm ordering you to stop. I'd love to, sir, but I can't. Oh, wait a minute. I just alien that, that intelligence is turning O'Neill yeah. into one of its own. Does anybody think this is odd? What if all these anomalies that have been happening, Jack, are part of some big plan? I'm just supposed to let you go. He's already gone. <laughs> On the next Stargate SG. Oh my goodness! How's this gonna work out? Well, we'll have to wait till next time to find out what happens. Uh, pretty cool. On pretty cool. At least it looks pretty cool. Fifth race. Uh, there was no competition, at least not that I saw. Well, th that's in the part that that's not in the clips. Oh, gotcha. I see. I see. <laughs> yeah. So they do the baton race. Yeah. At some other point. That, that's, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that little glowing thing. That's actually the baton. That's the baton. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Cool. All right. <laughs> so uh, that is our next episode, The Fifth Race. Um, yeah. Brent is going to be in town, uh, in my town next weekend. Uh, yes. And if we can at all make it happen, he's not going to be in town very long. But if we can, nope. we will record uh, together live in the same place at the same time. And if Live, not, and then the episode is probably going to be delayed a little bit. Uh, uh, that's so correct, yes. Right. We'll see what happens uh, next time on Walking Through the Stargate. Yeah, cool. So uh, we, we can make it happen. We can get up early. We, we, we could. We'd have to get up really early in the morning on Saturday yeah. to record. Yeah. Um, yeah, after having stayed up really late the night before. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, what could go wrong? <laughs> Nothing could go wrong. 
Uh, so, uh, tell us what you think about Touchstone. Tell us what we got right. Tell us what we got wrong. Tell us how uh, this is, in fact, the best uh, television on the planet. Yes. Or tell us how it's clearly the worst show ever made. Uh, whatever it is, <laughs> tell us what you think about it. Uh, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Tell us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Go to the Facebook group. Join us there and, and uh, have some fun conversations that are going on there. Uh, make it yeah. a fun place That's and tell cool. your friends. Yep. I mean, even I. Even I just said that the Facebook group is pretty cool. Okay. So you heard it here. Brent <laughs> thinks Facebook is cool. N- no, I definitely <laughs> didn't say that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we are definitely taking uh, applications for positions in our government. In our future. Uh, so mm-hmm. by all means, send those to at w- walking through the stargate at gmail.com uh, em- or post them on the Facebook group. That's fine too. What, what and, did they call uh, that planet? Blargensnoff? The Blargensnoff Empire. Yep. Yep, yeah, and uh, we we need those memes, so get to work <laughs> at it, um, and uh, enjoy. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Nah. I'm ready nah. for the next one, though. Okay. So, uh, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. We'll see you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. Get these people home.